and welcome rugby rant fans it's episode 103 i'm the big guy scott farrar that is rob the hammer hammerschmidt below me is preston the little hammer hammerschmidt we're glad to be with you this weekend after oof, a ridiculous amount of rugby was played uh the big guy was at the pr7s and had a blast uh you know we all watched the the debacle in glendale as we'll call it i think that'll be the debacle in glendale will be the title but, um, <laughs> You know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything. Yeah, we're gonna talk about a little bit of everything, and we're gonna hit our we're gonna hit the around the pitch segment right now. All right, so I'm gonna go first. Um, I'm talking about my trip to uh, to DC. So I was down in DC at Audi Field last Saturday to watch the PR7s. Uh, your women's championship were the headliners, uh, Abby Gostitis, uh, uh captaining that. And I got to say, one of those things that she brings to the table, um, you know, the headliners uh, were up and they get a penalty and they're about to quick tap it. And Abby goes, no, we want to take the scrum. And that took about 40 seconds off and brought it down to the death and ensured their win. You know, smart tactical head play there by Abby Gostitis. Uh Men's experts won the championship against the headliners. My buddy is Shabazz on the headliners. Madison Hughes wins it essentially at the death with this ridiculous conversion all the way from the right side and deep. It was a great kick, probably the kick of the day and won the experts, the championship in DC. So now the current standings for week two, we have women's uh, we'll start from the bottom. Women's loonies, three points, women's experts, eight points, women's headliners, 13 points, women's loggerheads, 16 points. The loggerheads and the headliners are really getting close. That gap's only three points. Now we'll go to the men's side. Men's loggerheads, two. Men's loonies, six. Men's headliners, 12. Men's experts, 20. This is the second week in a row, uh, stop in a row, that the experts beat the headliners in the championship. And now the all-coveted United Championship. Right now it sits at loonies with nine. Loggerheads at 18. Headliners at 25. And the experts are at 28. The experts and the headliners are very close to this United Championship. That's the men's scores, uh, the men's points, and the women's points combined to get that third trophy hammer what do you got for us yeah i want to first off we kind of missed it last week but congratulations to rugby atl's connor cook on what a great career he actually retired i think it was like i said announced last week um but he's hanging up the boots uh, at the conclusion he hung him up at the conclusion of the mlr season uh I, I think we need to recognize what a standout athlete he was he actually played high school football in um, hawaii and then went ahead to play uh, football at Redlands University in California. So we talk about crossover athletes, but Connor Cook is one of those originals, you know, crossover athletes that then played in the MLR. And he was recruited by Arc State, won two national championships there for sevens in 2012 and 2013, was a uh, 2014 All-American. Um, and he played for both the Raptors and Rugby ATL. So congratulations, Connor Cook, on a stellar career. We wish you all the best in the next phase of your life, my friend. Yeah, so it's my turn. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to talk about the the debacle in Glendale. Um, Coach Gary Gold has finally spoken out. Uh, he said, completely and totally devastated. It is just heartbreaking, and I feel so bad for the boys who tried so hard, and it is just the cr- cruelty of sport, and it is just devastating. I'm not sure what else to say. Um, finally spoken out about it. Uh, been waiting for this, waiting to see what, what comes out of his mouth. And um, – Hopefully, hopefully this this turns the entire team's heads and, and we look upward towards winning the repertoire charge and, and kicking the shit out of the uh, four teams, the three teams we've got to play and, and making it in France. So, And listen, let's talk about some good, outstanding uh, scores from uh, the USA Pathways team. So Corrindon Summer Tours uh, Day 3, uh, we had some good scores here. USA Under-18s beat Belgium. Uh, 47 to 20 USA under twenties beat the Netherlands 31 to 27. And uh, I'm not sure this, this graphic might be off, but I think uh, the U 23s beat Delta, which I believe is an Argentine uh, Delta rugby club is an Argentinian rugby club that went to this Corindon sevens, uh, excuse me, Corindon summer tournament, excuse me. But listen, it's great to see our pathways team kicking some butt in a summer tour. This is how we grow the game. This is how we grow the senior team. Um, gotta love it. Yeah, maybe we'll see some of those guys, um, you know, nine years t- uh, nine years down the road, being the, the grizzled veterans that make up the core of the team that's going to play host to the World Cup. 
Um, I want to, you know, throw again another shout out to um, somebody else in, in the USA Rugby Universe, and that is congratulations to uh, Thabu Philip Eloff, uh, J.P. Eloff, uh, his older brother, um, on his induction to the U.S. Rugby Hall of Fame. The induction ceremony was in Glendale this weekend. Um, he's a sh- former Chicago Lion. He earned 35 caps for the Eagles. He played in the 2003 Rugby World Cup, I believe the last team to actually win uh, a match in pool play. Scored 50 points for the Eagles, um, you know, uh, uh, as you know, as a player. And then, um, let's see, he scored a try versus Japan in a win, 39 to 26 win. So, congratulations to him. Great job. Uh, glad he's representing um, uh, Chicago rugby and forever be remembered for all his contributions to the Eagles and rugby in the United States. Yeah. So my, for my final one, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, club sevens this year in America has been, there's been something up in there and that's where the nationals are going to be hosted. Um, finally through a bit of a grapevine slash rumor mill, I have heard St. Louis has won the bid. Um, I'm a Lindenwood boy, so that's super exciting for me because I get to basically stay somewhere for free and go see go see everybody uh, everybody play some good footy, cheer on the Chicago Lions because I know they'll be there. Um, so I'm super excited. Hopefully that's true. Um, just means I don't have to travel and I get a, I have a free place to stay. So I'm super excited and uh, can't wait to see everybody out there. Do I have a free place to stay? <laughs> only Actually, because you only because, yeah, only because you're paying my. Hey, what about grandma's? You can yeah. stay with your mom. She'd love to have you. Not necessarily Preston or the little little hammer, but she'd love to have that hammer. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, real quick correction: Delta is actually the Netherlands A team. I found out recently. Yeah. Um, so after correction, Delta is the Netherlands A team, and hopefully we're going to have Connor Cook on uh, for an RPK soon. We August first, I think. I think right mm-hmm. August first. So maybe we'll have a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a look back on his his great career before hanging him up. Uh, Salute, salute to him and his service uh, for, for everything he's done for American rugby. And um, real quick, before we get to the uh, rugby rant part of the episode, the episode you guys really want to see this week, trust me, um, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. This bowl represents the game we love. A game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or the field of play. But they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick, tackle, and try score. Yes, they are there for when you need them most, because they are the major league rugby fans and the time has come for you to stand with your team join us at shopmlr.com today Rugby Rant fans, uh, you just saw our Around the Pitch segment. We're here with our first rant segment. We're very excited. Uh, we have the Hammersmiths. Uh, the Hammersmiths have been making quite the appearances here, racking up their caps, not necessarily winning. You know, Rob's not known for the winning. He's known for the giving it the good old college try. Preston two. has won. As I say, Preston has won. I've won two. Bit. And uh, uh, in them I against... Like I've been here before. Ha 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 ha. Funny. Um, <laughs> that's just the dementia setting in. Rob, that's just the dimension. Oh, but going way. against them, they're they're. I'll, I'll be sending you your way if that starts. <laughs> this is a, a two-on-one match against our boy Alex Deagle. Alex is a North American <laughs> reporter for TRN. You've seen plenty of his articles throughout this MLR season and postseason and preseason. We can't wait to see more of those coming into the 2023 MLR season. He's also a freelance rugby reporter uh, with Scrum, which is uh, the ESPN side of rugby. Their very little side of American rugby. Um, that's just a little dig. He's also the president of Old Gaelic uh, Rugby and actually still plays. Um, Alex, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back. And uh, as you can see, I'm uh, rocking my, my summer sevens gear here. So we are uh, well underway in the in the MAC qualifiers and looking forward to finishing things out this uh, this Saturday in Philly. Awesome. Love Philly. Check out my uh, brother-in-law's coffee shop in Philly. It's called Thank You, Thank You, uh, 700 Sanson Street in the uh, Jewelers Row. Go check them out. Anyway, before we, we move he on to our topic. You. Yeah, twice. Um, before we move on to our topic, uh, Hammer, drop the video. Leadership that we're... So this is a big hit by Alex. Um, let's 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 kind of talk about this play here. Um, it looks like you're, you're set up well. You're you're reading the play coming from the breakdown, and obviously you attack the game line with with enough speed that you're not going to over pursue on the hit, and then you make a frick freaking drilling hit. Can you talk us through it, Alex? Sure. I mean, yeah, I kind of in these uh, twilight years entering that that you know, peak phase of, of mentally maybe seeing things a little bit faster than other people and physically still being able to get it done. I, you know, my boss asked why I don't play like slow pitch softball or something. I showed him the hit. I said, whenever it's my shoulder that goes instead of the other guy's ribs, then I'll start playing softball. Um, so <laughs> no, it, it was uh, uh happy. You got it on film. I give credit to my captain for calling our, uh, our jam defense there, which got me in the lane. And I don't, I mean, clearly the, the poor guy didn't see me coming. I, I asked if he was okay. He said, he said, no. So um, <laughs> happy Listen, healing, happy healing, brother. You, you asked, and I got to be honest, watching the video, whoever was throwing that ball for the breakdown, that's a big time hospital pass. He had to really look it in and you were coming in strong. So honestly, I wouldn't, that, I wouldn't blame him on the hit as much as I would blame the guy passing. Um, so let's okay, talk it was, about, uh, it was a slow pass coming out that made me look fast. <laughs> Listen, as long yeah. as you looked fast, what's, what's the difference? Right. In your twilight, take any benefits you can get. Absolutely, I certainly will, as long as I can get them. So, but no, you you look good out there. That was a great hit, loved it. So, we're going to go into our first topic here. So, obviously, we're going to talk about uh, the USA Eagles losing to Chile, thirty-one twenty-nine. Um, aggregate score: uh, Chile was up by two points to advance. Uh, they celebrate what is considered their greatest victory in their history as a team and now take their place as America's number two spot in the rugby world cup in 2023 coming up in France next year, they'll compete in the pool D against England, Japan, Argentina, and Samoa. Um, uh, USA has one more chance to qualify in the repertoire tournament in November. Um, you know, it was a, it was a tough match. It was a disappointing match and, you know, we're here kind of to break it down and, and we want to hear what everybody has to say. Um, so I'm going to start off with a little hammer. Preston, let's hear it. Um, I'll start off by saying that's just as an as a big USA rugby fan, that's super disappointing to see. Like, especially coming off the fact that we're going to get a World Cup in the states, it's just so sad to see that we're having to go in the repertoire, um, which is looking like for sure Portugal and Kenya, and I believe there's going to be a match or series between Tonga and Hong Kong for the third spot or fourth spot, I guess you want to say, because we're in the third spot. Um, so looking like uh, should be Hong Kong, I believe that will join us um in november but i mean it's super disappointing to see like back in 2019 i believe the score of the chile game was 71 to like someone said eight i believe it was had come to 2022 and we're losing an aggregate score by two with a covid year and where a lot of rugby teams are actually taking most of the year off if not a second year that's two years out of those out of that that gap gone that no one was really playing rugby and, and we're losing to Chile like that for a world cup. And I, it's just so sad to see that. Um, I mean, like it was really a tale of the second half for me um, at, at, in the, during the French barbarians game, you saw the U S really dominating, really winning, really playing well. And I was super surprised, super stoked. And then the second half hits and we let them into it to the point where the final 10 minutes is a complete nail biter. I think that, played into the 85th minute and finally we've got a scrum or, or something of the sorts of, to end the game, right? Great victory. Now we come to this game. And as I recall, the commentators talking about as we go into the second half a few times, eight of the Chilean starters were going to come off the bench for this game. Chile was able to target our, our weakness being the second half and, and beat us by, by aggregate score of two. And it's just like, to me, it's so sad to see that we can't even see our own weakness and go, okay, 
we need to be stronger here. And I don't know whether it's fatigue. I really don't think it's our bench players because they're solid and I think they're great players. I think it's got to be something, something those first bit in the first bit of the second half that just drags us behind. But it's just really sad to see that Chile can, after three years, come out, kick our butts, and then recognize their weakness, and we play to that weakness so badly. Um, so it, it's disappointing for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, we dominated the set piece up front for most of the match, except uh, in the last, you know, 20 minutes. Um, you know, uh, some ill-discipline, uh, you know, with, with we have the yellow card, but again, like, you know, we can't we can't point to one thing that lost us the match. And if we win by fifty, that ill discipline doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, will, they they did. I will say that one thing that didn't help was the fact that we were in their twenty two three times on the five meter and didn't score one time, and that was only off lineouts. That doesn't help at all, and I can point to that as something that would have helped us to win and didn't because those are huge absolutely. Absolutely. If you if you convert those lineouts and and push through, like you know, is our game plan? Yeah, that that changes it. Um, I would say too, you know, it it's it seems as though, and this is I think an epidemic in rugby in North America. Um, ch- changing of the game plan when something not isn't going right um, for whatever reason, it's very hard for us and the on the USA Eagles and even in the MLR teams to make adjustments. You know. And as fans coming from, you know, those crossover fans we talk about uh, coming from over from, you know, things like uh, football where they're making adjustments play by play and down by down. And, you know, it, it's it seems to me like in, for some reason we're kind of stuck in, in, the, in the muck about making a decision to change up the tactic if it's not working. Um, but I want to hear what Alex has to say. Sure. I think you both make some excellent points. Um, ill-discipline can be definitely pointed to. Um, the yellow card, I mean, it wasn't like an egregiously dirty play, but it definitely did hurt us. And we didn't, you know, we didn't pick our teammate up there. The, the U.S. didn't pick our teammate up there with, with Nick Chavetta, who's an excellent player. He unfortunately got pings. But we see plenty of times teams weather the storm and give up zero or maybe one try. Like one try you can almost say is like a draw with a man down. To give up two going into halftime is just, I mean, that's when the momentum was seized, in my opinion, by Chile. And I think also to your point, Scott, um, of not adjusting, you know, we saw we were, the, the Americans saw they were exposed a little bit in kick defense by that, um, the Chilean fly half. I, excuse me, I'm not extremely well versed on all of their players, but he was a standout Rodrigo player. Fernandez. Yes, uh, standout player at number 10. And he, he hurt the team again in, in, in some counters uh, and, and, and set up a big try. Um, but outside of the yellow card, you know, Obviously, the game ended with, with Chance Wengluski trying to clear a player out and going around the neck, but which also can be excused. But, you know, things like throwing a shoe, uh, you know, shout out one of my childhood favorites, Austin Powers, you know, who throws a shoe, you know, got the, the chest hair out in support. But, <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that, you could kind of feel, and maybe I felt like this as a supporter of USA Rugby, like the, the first match, okay, it was an away match. It was a deluge all right, maybe those are the factors that made it closer than, as we pointed out, the 71 to 8, the 137 points combined in the three matches before these two, this series. Maybe the players felt like they were going to kind of sleepwalk through a win to get to the World Cup um, at home in better conditions. And then when that scoreline started getting tighter, the players got tighter is how it felt. You know, obviously none of us were there, but that's that's what it looked like. Uh, just got tight with, you know, the moment was there and execution was not. Hey, that's, that's the sport. You know, I don't think I, I would disagree. I would, I would kind of disagree with maybe their mentality. I think every guy's going in there going, this is my time to get a cap for an Eagle and I'm going to put the best put, foot forward. And that doesn't mean that you execute the best put foot forward. Cause you know, you could just not have the best day on the pitch. Sure. It happens. We understand that, but I think you're right. As far as the ill discipline, um, maybe of, of those plays that I'm sure, you know, Rob's going to talk about this because he's a big, Rob's a big uh, proponent of like, I can, you, he can forgive somebody for making a play into contact that, you know, maybe it's high because you slid up or, you know, something changed mid hit, but, you know, things like throwing the shoe, 
And I forgot, I'm, I'm sure Rob will talk about, I think it was Hanko, you know, back chatting, you know, um, things like that. Um, you, you, it's hard to forgive those as a fan because, you know, it, it does make a difference and it didn't need to happen. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there, those are good points. And, you know, again, um, Chile just played out of their minds. Rodrigo Fernandez, again, just kind of picking the ball up and, and, and come cutting through those gaps. And, and I think he, I think he, uh, broke like three or four tackles on his way to their first or second try. I couldn't, can't remember which one it was. Um, but yeah, he played out of his mind. Rob, what do you have to say? Yeah. So I don't know the fans. I'm going to have to apologize. You, you might not hear anything new out of me. Um, it, it, I'm going to echo a lot of the sentiments of my colleagues here um, with few additions. Um, one of my biggest concerns, and and I think this is at any level of of sport, but particularly at the top levels, some of the the minutest of differences can come down to mental skills and mental acuity. And the the black uh, the All Blacks talk about this, or it's been talked about in connection with the All Blacks. You know, keeping a blue head. Uh, and it's the idea that even under the most immense pressure, finding your center, um, staying focused, staying in the moment, not you know thinking about the greater context of a match, um, can sometimes keep you your head in the game and prevent you from making those egregious mistakes that that let the game get out of control. And and that speaks to the discipline, you know. Like Scott was mentioning, I can understand you know Chavetta and Wangaluski making rugby you know, penalties that happens. I don't think there was anything, you know, that that's part of, part of the game. You're going to make, you're going to make penalties. If you try to, if, if you put enough effort in the game and you try to, you know, turn the tide for your team. Um, and quite frankly, Wayne Galuski, his penalty, they, they probably would have poached the ball at that point and, 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 and killed the match for us. Uh, anyway, nevertheless, I can't, um, I have trouble forgiving Hanko for back chatting. I have trouble, uh, you know, forgiving Talfete for throwing the shoe. You know, those things are preventable. Those things are just about keeping that blue head, staying in the moment, staying focused, not letting the game get bigger than, you know, than what it needs to be. Um, missed kicks. You know, AJ uh, missed a, a penalty early that was, you know, to the right of the sticks. Uh, normally he's spot on. You can forgive, you know, some of those tough kicks, you know, in a deluge like they had, you know, two weeks ago. But, um, you know, that kick could have made the difference. Um, and, you know, he he caught a couple later on, so he redeemed himself. But, Boy, you wish you had those points when they were there easy and on offer. Um, and he and Brock, he missed a couple key kicks in the run of play that went into touch and gave a scrum center, you know, with a great attacking option for Chile. So those things kind of make it tough. Um, and But I think, you know, it also comes down to the fact that um, they lost their way and their in their game plan in the second half, the first half, you know, quick attacking style, clinical possession, you know, if the other team doesn't have the ball, guess what? They can't score. Right. And yet we kicked the ball away. I think we, you know, gave up possession a little too frequently and we let them get back into the game. It's almost as if we were playing not to lose. Um, go back to the Canada game. You know, well, I don't think that, you know, these guys didn't give 110% because I think they did. But I think it was a little different mentality. When they lost to Canada and St. John, they came back to Glendale and they go, oh, shit, we have a job to do. We better make it count. Little different, you know, mentality than when, you know, you've got, you know, a point in hand. And perhaps, you know, again, not staying in the moment, just focusing on winning the game rather than thinking about the greater context of the game um, might have helped in this case. So, you know, mental skills, man, it's what top level rugby little differences. I hear you. Um, you know, when you talk about some of those kicks and maybe kicking away possession, I feel like this is something I notice, and maybe it's just because I like seeing props run the ball, which is something you know you guys know I love to watch. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't really? I mean, Nick Mayhew's try in, in the championship, uh, I, I feel will go down the history of the MLR. It's, it was great. But anyway, let's, I should we go back to Lerome White's two uh, uh, breakaways. Well, it was, it was, it was Lerome White. And then I believe, James Rochford or Patty Ryan had one the week after. It was like back to back. It was Rome twice, and then another person was back to back to back. That was twenty twenty one. But anyway, um, I think we need to start realizing that if it's not working outside, or if we're not counterattacking on the kicks and, and getting the possession we want out of the kicks, to just start doing some pick and goes to kind of reset, calm it down. You, know, you see it done in basketball, right? There's all these frantic plays, and then the team brings the ball out, you know, from being scored upon, they bring it a port around half court 
cross that half court line, then all of a sudden that point guard sells it down, right? Takes a couple beats, now run the play, see if it's open. Play's not open, run it again, see if it opens again. But he's taking those beats. I think we need to do that on the rugby pitch. Um, I think we need to say, hey, let's slow it down. Let's let's run these these balls to the A gaps. Maybe then I'll slide the defense in. And this way, when we go to kick, now we have numerical advantage or we can kick the ball to a position that's more advantageous to us to get to um, and climb that ladder to get it. But I think we're not doing that, and we're just going straight to whatever that tactic is we're trying to, to win. Um, and like you said, there were some missed kicks. There were some missed kicks straight in the touch. I think it was McGinty and Osberger back-to-back, unfortunately, like you know, in quick succession. But, you know, listen, every every kick's not going to be the best kick you ever had, and every so often you're going to shank a ball, and you have two guys who are decent off off the foot, and that's why they're there. Um, so, again, you can't point to any one thing. So, you know, I want to throw a question out to you guys, and I'm just interested generally in, in you know, at the scrum half position, and don't get me wrong, fans, don't make a mistake, Ruben de Haas is an excellent player. We've seen him make so many. He had a great play where he tapped it back for the score to, was that? Um, uh, Yosefo. Yeah, Yosefo. I mean, that was just a heads-up play. I mean, you know, how many guys can actually do that? So make It was mistake, great. But it, it was great, but is he the right scrum half for the USA at you know in this particular game? Um, I just don't know because I mean he's he's you know he usually plays with the Saracens where it's at you know um, you know box kick and and fight for possession and put the other you know pin the other team in. But are we looking for a more lightning quick strike? Um, you know, follow up in the run of play type of guy who can run off his shoulder like a basket? I'm I'm just interested in hearing what my colleagues have to say here. Well, let's let's run it back. So let's let's go to Alex and then Preston, then me, and we'll we'll talk about it. Sure. I mean, I know you know in talking to to Coach Gary Gold and uh, down Stanford, and I did a, did a segment a couple years ago now that they've been really identifying Ruben DeHaas as the future of that position. Um, but to your point of maybe some other candidates that could push the pace a little bit more, play a little bit different, and also in DeHaas's um, to to the point that you made of, you know, playing a different style with the Cheetahs, maybe that hurts of not training together as much. So another point that Gary Gold has made uh, kind of lamented lack of training time together. I know part of that's due to COVID, but also just, you know, maybe different leagues, different setups at any rate. Um, to answer your question directly. Yeah. I mean, Michael Bosca is a great candidate there. Uh, maybe Augsburger needs to go back or could be considered to go back in the starting nine Jersey. Um we saw, you know, his that try that, you know, one of the few bright moments the U.S. had against New Zealand back in the fall was was him pushing the pace and then being an athlete, being a sevens player out there in space, you know, making the New Zealand fullback look look silly as he cut him up and and went and scored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, another name that I like of, you know, I've seen him pushing the pace in MLR is Ryan Reese. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Basca, maybe a little bit of a switch with uh, Augsburger. Certainly, I don't think could hurt our chances. Preston. Yeah. Um, I wrote it back to the all box game and I can say for certain that Basca was playing not in that game. And I can't remember if it was a try or it was a big run by Cruz, but it was all set up um, by, by Basca. He passed it off and then he was right back in support. It, I can't specifically remember it all, but I can remember that Basca was there. He was the playmaker and then grabbed it back and then uh, on the inside and then passed it back to the outside. I just don't see why you start a guy or have him off the bench in, a, in the all blacks test plays like he did. And then you don't have him in either of these two matches or the French barbarians match. He's not in any of the three. Um, and I don't, I mean, he's playing for uh, for a French team. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it in a D2 French team. Like, how can you go be sent there playing overseas and not come over to the U.S. and at least get a sniff at another cap? Um, and I thought he played magnificently. And, and I would actually say that Ruben is definitely the starting, the starting nine. If you look at the U.S. strategy this year, which seems to be kick tactically, kick in the air, force them to try and catch it and then make make a mistake as you try to play or the, the other team tries to play. Ruben Haas plays so well that um made one or two kicking mistakes. I, I think that's super um that's prone to happening, especially at altitude in Glendale, in my opinion. Um but I think it's really gotta be Ruben at, at the start of nine. 
love Augsburger, so it's got to be him or Basca. And I'm really surprised that Basca didn't get a sniff at one of the one of the test matches. Um, and, but I do think Rubik can push the pace. I think unfortunately this game wasn't built for it, or the strategy we were going with wasn't made for it. And that team, I believe, is Ruan Normandy, and I believe Sam Wuching was also on that team uh, with Basca this year. Um, I think yes, it depends yes. on what you're. I think I think it depends on what you're trying to do. If you want to run that kick the ball, try and gain possession, then Ruben de Haas is your nine, and I don't, I wouldn't go away from that. He does it very well. I think what needs to happen is maybe the execution or the building of the team around it to do that. Um, I think we have guys right now that aren't climbing the ladder to get that ball as much as we think they are. And the other thing is on the opposite side is the counterattack from our opposition. And I see this in the MLR a lot where they have guys at nine and 10 who can kick the ball. And for whatever reason, their defense isn't organized in the moment enough to stop a counterattack. And all of a sudden they're slicing and dicing. And I want to say the 2021 arrows, uh, even though it doesn't show in the win loss column for them playing all their games here in the United States, outside of Canada, they were famous for that. Um, they were, they were good at counterattacking. And a lot of those guys were actually, uh, those, those counterattacking, uh, backs were, were South Americans, you know? So I think it's just something that they're doing in South America that hits one of our weaknesses. That's something we need to tighten up. Um, but yeah, I don't see why Ruben wouldn't work. I think we just have to work the pieces and tactics around him a little better and tighten those up to execute them better. Um, Man, you know, that was a great question. That was a really, really good question. Um, I think the other thing is we're so used to as Americans wanting to get the ball out that sometimes we're a little hard on the other tactics. I mean, look at the Saracens and the way, you know, the UK teams were sweeping, right? They were sweeping uh, the South, the, this, the, the Southern Hemisphere teams recently by doing that, the tactical kicking, winning the set pieces, and grinding it with some hard runs, right? So I think we just need to set those pieces up if that's the way we want to go. If we want to go in a different direction, we can. But I think our MLR champions this year, I think Rooney showed you that you can do tactical kicking. You can get the ball out wide and do something with it. And there is a a good uh, uh, balance between the two if you can find it. But let's recognize when you do tactical kicking, you, uh, you know what they say, a kick's only good as a chase, right? So you have to have some guys that put pressure on their back three so that, you know, um, they're under pressure right, to, to make a play and, and that you can capitalize on mistakes when they're on offer. They did that against Chile in the game in Santiago, right? Mm-hmm. There was a couple of times where, you know, and it, of course it was wet, so that played to an advantage when you're playing the kicking game, but there were some opportunities where we put pressure on them or they knocked the ball on and then we got opportunities that presented themselves in their, in their you know, defensive third of the pitch. Um, I just don't think that we got that kind of pressure like we, we needed to this game. To me, it sounds like it's becoming not an issue of of the players as much as it's becoming an issue of the time that the players have together. I mean, if you're going to teach tactical kicking, you're going to teach it with, hey, our defensive structure needs needs to be set and sound by chasing that. And it sounds like maybe there might be an issue with coaching it. Was there not enough time being spent coaching it? Because they only had a week before – French Barbarians, another week before then, Chile. So that's two weeks. I don't think that's enough time to really coach up how you want to have your your defensive chase and then uh, um, set up going. So I think it becomes a question of, yeah, we have this strategy, finally. I said it last year that the U.S. didn't really seem to have an an attacking strategy, but we have a strategy now, but it doesn't seem like the defensive strategy has met with it. And I think that is an issue of not having enough time together. Well, so we know Scott we... Lawrence is our defensive coach, and we know how brilliant he is as a coach. And and it's interesting because you do talk about the lack of time and the ability to put perhaps that defensive structure into play prior to the run up to these matches. So let me let me ask one more question before we close out this topic. Then, um, would you guys be opposed to moving the MLR schedule up two weeks? You know, keep the playoffs the way they were with three teams in the playoffs. You have your quarterfinals, your your semifinal, you know, your semifinal, excuse me, your conference final and then the championship, but just move it up two weeks because then that'll give an extra week of practice for those Eagles being called up. Because I, let's be honest, they're not, the other part was Eagles were being called up right after the MLR championship. You had Eagles on both sides of Seattle and York. They're being, you know, they won a championship and then the next day or 
champions the next Monday they're being called up for the Eagles. That would give them, you know, a couple days rest and then being called up instead of being called up on Monday, call them in the Friday before. Now you have a whole extra week of practice that you can get right and you can get meetings. You can do meetings the whole weekend, that first weekend. Gives the guys some time away from rugby for a little bit to reset. And maybe your mindset changed. So we'll go around the horn. Preston, do you think MLR should move up two weeks and give us that extra time in the international window? I 100% think so. But in my opinion, the MLR has too big of an ego to change what they want to do to help USA Rugby. Alex, what do you think? I also agree. You actually kind of read my mind. I was uh, just thinking back, uh, you know, I quickly Googled the date because I didn't know it was off the top of my head. The championship game was June 25th, right? Uh, so, and then what we played, uh, what was Saturday? The t- t- two days back, the 16th, the 9th was the first Chile game. So between June 25th and uh, July 9th, you're playing a massive test match when these guys are all playing, not only just playing hard rugby and grinding their bodies into the ground, but also playing playing not together, playing against each other. I mean, I mean, how many guys that were on the rosters these last two weeks were playing in that championship game? At least half a dozen off the top of my head? Yeah, there was a lot of them. Yeah. Um, Rob, what's your answer? Well, I, I'm gonna, I don't think it comes down to ego. I think it comes down to, you know, the MLR's purpose, vision, and goal and what they're set out to do in their commercial enterprise and what makes the most commercial sense for them is to provide it you know, teams as much opportunity to have a balanced schedule of home and away matches. So they're not, you know, like we already know that Toronto has to backload a bunch of their matches, if not, you know, all eight of their home matches in order to fit them in because of weather. It's just unfortunately how the international window sits. So I think it's just a, a reflection of commercialization. Uh, would we benefit from from bringing it back, you know, a couple of weeks? Yeah. I don't think the MLR is interested in doing that because it just has too much, uh, you know, commercial, you know, um, you know, money at stake uh, involved um, from some of those, you know, teams like Rudy. Um, so, well, you know, and that's... You know uh, now could, I don't know if I like this either food for thought, do you instead as the MLR. And again, I don't know what interest they have in doing any favors to USA rugby, because it's not really their goal is to make USA rugby better. It's their goal is to make money, but you know, to do like a one week, everybody gets their bye week in the middle of the schedule. And therefore you only have 17 weeks instead of 18 weeks. And you kind of buy yourself another week. Maybe move it up another week in February and you get yourself two more weeks. I don't know. Just kind of food for thought there. Yeah, interesting. They can finagle it. Um, you know, I'm I'm under the camp of, listen, if we're playing in New York, if we're playing in Toronto, I want to be playing in the snow. I don't know why the fans have become soft. Um, even Chicago's looking to put a dome on their stadium. You friggin' Bears fans over there, that's direct dig at Rob. Um, but, you know. Hey, hey that's and- not – I've heard so much backlash about that. It's not even funny. So don't worry. I know. I just, I was just messing around, but I mean, I think it does. Again, we talk about crossover fans. There's something to be said when you go up to play in Lambeau at the frozen tundra, you know, and I don't, I've played in Massachusetts a lot, you know, when I was younger and, you know, playing New York and, and going into the wintertime, it's something we just do when it's cold, you know? So I think as fans, we just have to, understand that we might be playing home matches a little earlier if we need to if we need to change and i do think you know as much as mlr doesn't isn't isn't their purpose to you know be this this support unit for usar i think one of the things that they can do to help is maybe change the schedule or finagle the way for the schedule to work a little better to prep the national team um that's something they can do that isn't going to kill their viability financially or as a money producing entity you know, as much as saying, okay, we, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. But uh, these are all great points. Uh, this is a really great talk. You know, again, um, we have November for repertage. Um, It's going to go the 14 round Robin. Uh, you know, it looks like we're going to be playing Kenya, Portugal, and probably Hong Kong. I, I highly doubt, uh, who is it? Uh, Tonga, right? Tonga, Tonga is going to lose to Hong Kong, but there is a possibility that they do. And, Listen, Portugal's on the rise, and who knows? Maybe Kenya punches us in the mouth. So we got to be prepared. Um, just like I'm prepared to take us to this next break, and we're going to hit the next RPK with Dylan the Butcher Fawcett. But first, we're going to take a word from our sponsors. 
Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Hey, Rugby Rant fans, we're here with the RPK section of our show. We love our run, pass, or kick. And, uh, you know, the, the, the person we're interviewing today, I, I can now say, is a friend of mine. I can now say he's an MLR champion. I can now say he's actually an official scout for Rugby New York. Maybe we'll get into that later. Uh, but uh, Dylan Fawcett, welcome to the show. Cheers, lads. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've been working on this for a while, and uh, I, yeah. I very – yeah, I was, I was talking to Rob, and he's he's every week. He's like, "When do we have a butch on? When do we have a butch on?" Listen, calm down. It Rob. got to the point where I I actually did not believe that Scott actually knew the butcher. It was he just claimed <laughs> to know the butcher. So you know, because I got guys like you know Cam on, and you know, uh, uh, and and Osborne, Nate Osborne, and Tim Falcon, and and he's coming up, uh, you know, with Zilch between you and Brady. Listen, if Marty Veal ever does an actual interview, that'll be the end of his career. I don't think Marty's ever done an actual interview. So I don't know if we're getting Marty on. But anyway, let me, let's go over Dylan's uh, CV here. So plays rugby for Greystones, Black Rock College, St. Mary's College, Rowan Island. Intended life, played at life. Uh, played for the Ohio Aviators, one of the teams I, I've, I've actually hated in my pro career. There's only seven, seven, you know, several teams that I like. There's like two teams that I don't like. Anything from Ohio I don't like, unfortunately. You know, that was just one year. <laughs> Dylan was a little out of his mind. That's okay. Old Blue, love my New York guys. He actually started his MLR career on loan to the Glendale Raptors. Um, he was contracted for Rugby New York. Uh, Rugby New York did not play the, in the official season in 2018, so he played his ball in Glendale. Uh, Rugby New York, obviously, captain in uh, 2019, um, the fourth player to reach 50 MLR caps. Uh, he recently reached 50 caps uh, with Rooney itself. Uh, USA Eagle number 523 with a debut against Chile, 18 caps. Man, like we usually, you know, don't get me wrong. We, we, we interview guys and they have a great, like, you know, CV of rugby. Like Dylan's is friggin' long, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's like long and hard and, and good teams. And man, it's long it's and amazing. distinguished. Yeah. I've heard that before. Long and distinguished, <laughs> you know, and then we talk about actually the Eagle number and we made fun of our buddy, uh, Tony Ridnell. Uh, I think it was, yeah. it was Eagle 168. Um, and Dylan is, is 523. So think about that, Tony. Again, I just like to hammer Tony with that one. Anyway, <laughs> uh, before we get to the interview, Rob, tell the fans at home how the RBK works. Thanks. Well, again, uh, Dylan, thank you for joining the show. It's an absolute pleasure to have somebody of your status join the Rugby Rant. So we appreciate it. For those who are uninitiated, never seen a Rugby Rant, and uh, I was just contacted by a new fan. Um, I'll throw a shout out later on in the episode to them. Um, the the uh, run pass or kick works a little like this. Basically, we're going to throw some questions at Dylan and we're going to prompt each question with run pass or kick. And so just like any good rugby player, Dylan has three options in front of him. He can run with a question, which is to say that he's going to go ahead and answer it. And he'll let us know what he's going to do. Or he's going to go ahead and pass a question. Just means he doesn't want to get in trouble with Marty Veal and, and the boys up there and, and the Rooney Brass. Or he can always have fun with us and kick a question, which is to say he's going to put us on the back foot, put us on the defensive, make us work uh, from behind our 22, so to speak. And uh, we're going to answer in a way we think that Butch would answer. And he can grade us out, and I'm sure he'll have an opinion because we know that the Butcher is full of those. Uh, nonetheless, he'll grade us out, or he can add a little spice and color and his own uh, flair uh, and his own Irish brogue. 
So we, we, we always appreciate those kind of comments. So nevertheless, uh, Dylan, are you ready for the run pass or kick challenge mate? Oh yeah, I'm Rob. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to fire the first one. And uh, I, I tell you, this, <laughs> this is one I've been wondering for a long time because I haven't had the pleasure, Scott has, of, of meeting you in person up until now. Um, you are well known for your frequent use of colorful language on the pitch and your frequent use of the F-bomb. So run, pass, or kick. How hard will I have to work when editing this interview? I'll run with that. <laughs> I mean, I'll fucking run with that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, passionate guy, Rob, you know, um, yeah. uh, colorful language is just part and parcel of it. But uh, I think it's more it comes from a place of care rather than, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I mean that, 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 it's just I, me. I think we stumped him. <laughs> I think we stumped. I don't think he's ever been asked that before, but I got to be honest, Dylan. I know a lot of your teammates. I'm pitch side quite frequently, and uh, they. I'll put it this way: if 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 Dylan hasn't thrown an f bomb at you, I don't think you were ever really his teammate. <laughs> then then he didn't even know you were on the pitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you haven't been f bombed by Dylan, were you really a USA Eagle? Probably yeah, not. No, no. no. but uh, it's a it's less and less now. But you know, it's a yeah, definitely, definitely. Definitely something now, I bring to the table. Now you have a child now, correct? Am I wrong there? Or... I do. So, my... so you kind of you have to watch it a little bit nowadays as a as a papa, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, do. <laughs> I could just see I could see him going back the last few days and going, "This is where <laughs> I, I I let it go and I should have kept it." But it's funny, Liam doesn't isn't as close to the pitch as you would think. Uh, I think there's a reason for that. Although the Dylan has one of the <laughs> cutest children I've ever seen. Definitely gets looks from mom, brains from mom, hopefully athletics from dad. But yeah, no, it's uh, I, I could listen. I, I joke about Dylan and, but listen, it does come from a place of leadership and, yeah. and passion. And, and there's a reason why he's a leader on the field. So we're going to go to the next question. So like we, we talked about before, MLR champion, right? Run, pass or kick. Yeah. Run, pass or kick. How much of a weight has been lifted off the uh, New York team's shoulders after coming so close uh, the previous seasons, I run with that. Um, a weight. I think you know we being lucky to be uh, being a part of this organization from the start. It's just been such an aspiration. You know, we we set our own standards, of course, and you know every year we've had. You know, I've been so fortunate to be a part of such great teams. Like every year we've challenged, could have won it. You know, every year and. That is a it's a testament to the to the club, you know. So, um, I'll not say that it's like a massive weight, you know. It was always that that drive to want to do it, but I would never say that it was a, like that weight or a burden, you know. That, that that was never the case. These are only things that, you know, why why we play the game? We play the game because we want to win, you know. This is this is it, you know. I'm just now I know now I have it, we have it, and it's oh, it's just one of the greatest you know, achievements. And I look at it as a, such a positive, whereas I, I don't feel like it was ever a weight, you know, um, yeah. I always just love competing and being a part of this team. I, you know, one of the greatest joys of my life. I, I have a feeling he's already looking to 2023 about winning it again. I think it's like Dylan seems the type of guy like, okay, I've crossed it off the list. Now win the shield in 2023. That's the new thing on the list. <laughs> Well, Scott, you're right because, for, but for me, it's always like that. You know, I, I'm never, I can't switch off. Really, you know, it's um, if it's not that, it's uh, aspiring to play at the top level with the Eagles. It's it's continuously pushing myself and my body to perform. It's not, uh, I just can't take time off. I know, trust me, I did take a few days off after the after we won it <laughs> and uh, had a good time. But other than that, like you know, you're a few days back and you're straight back into it again, pushing yourself to perform because if I don't you know then I can't perform it the way I want and that that'll never be the case yeah to, to hear Scott talk about that it's almost like a line out of the quiet man yeah put it on the list now strike a line through it 
<laughs> and and you know we're going to move forward. <laughs> so, but it, it it is in all honesty, it is interesting. You do talk about it as you know a, a, an accomplishment, and not so much as a weight. But you can say, "Yep, done it. Now let's move forward and do something." You know, what's next? What's on on par next? Uh, but before we get into that and talk about what's you know in the future for Dylan Fawcett and in his rugby career, I, I want to ask a little bit about the Shield. Uh, we are told that after the win, there was a night of merriment and celebration. Now, listen, you played with Tony Lamborn, and Tony Lamborn told one hell of a yarn about um, the uh, with the Ranfurly Shield uh, and and his experience uh, having that taped to his body for an evening. So, I got to ask, run, pass, or kick? Who is in charge of ensuring that the Shield was properly cared for on the evening of the victory? I'll run with that. Um, of whether he was put in charge or not, and the Ellis had full rights to the to the shield. So, um, wait, is this the same guy that broke the the you know the Eastern, <laughs> the Eastern Conference, Conference Championship Cup? Yeah, well, I'm going to say. I mean, I had words with, with Bill about that. I was like, Bill, what are you doing, giving me a broken trophy? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I was actually only slagging him off about that at the weekend. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, Andy had it and. and Still has it. Oh no, it's in the it's in the facility now. But uh, yeah, I mean, and it even made it to Times Square, and mm-hmm. Andy Andy wouldn't pay for his picture with Spider Man, and then Spider Man took off with it up some building. So uh, <laughs> Andy had to had to grow wings or whatever and try to find Superman or Spider Man. So uh, yeah, it was uh, that was eventful. But uh, no, it's absolutely it's absolutely safe and it's where it should be yeah. in in, uh, in in our home. That that's awesome. Nice. You know, spe- speaking of Andy. Uh, you know, there's there's great video on New York social uh, rugby, New York social media about the haka and the send off that they gave him. So, run, pass, or kick. How much did the boys revel in being able to provide Andy with a proper send off of a championship and that nice haka into retirement? Yeah, I'll run with that. Um, like, um, obviously, the the club is so is very predominantly Kiwi now, and uh, to be able to to understand the culture a bit more now. And so the the great men that has brought into our into our team, for the guys to be able to do that, you know that I think that just show, it's one of the greatest honors you can give a man uh, in Kiwi culture. So it's um, for the boys to be able to do that and and to show the world how much that we cared about him, you know, uh, and what he's done for this club. You know, you you couldn't put it into words. They just had to show it through their through their feelings and their passion and through all their culture. It's just, uh, it was something, something so surreal and was so special, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You speak about uh, the, the boys that uh, are from New Zealand, um, you know, performing the Hakka in Andy's honor and you speak of it as an honor. No doubt it is. Um, I, I Just as an aside for folks watching, there were some people that were bothered by this, that somehow, thought that was yeah. not right. And and I was like, do they get it? Do they understand, you know, how important mana is to the to the New Zealand culture and how important it is to be able to bestow that on somebody? Clearly they they must not be too steeped in rugby to make those kind of comments. Cause I thought it was uh an impressive display. I really thought it was a great way to send Andy off. Um and let's talk about that Kiwi talent in this next question. Um obviously you spoke of it a strong uh, New Zealand presence in the roster at uh, Rugby New York. Um, this is, you know, often the selling point of bringing in guys like Andy, guys like Wasaki, guys like Nehe. So run, pass, or kick, how likely are we to see players of Andy's caliber and Wasaki's caliber, Nehe's caliber, caliber stick around and coach in the United States after they hang up their boots? Um, I'll kick that one. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to be honest. I think it depends on what they're looking to do. So, you know, for example, if they're looking to maybe stay in the States with their family, you know, why not, you know, coach rugby, whether whatever level, youth level, high school, college, you know, professionals, if you, if you have a, an MLR track career, you've had a, a successful career. I see, I could see more guys coming over here to kind of apply the trade of coaching. If that's something they want to do, if they want to go back to their respective homes and coach there, obviously that's something they can do. Um, so, I mean, I think it depends on what they want 
personally, right? You know, if they want to set up their family here and they want to come here and, and live here, they'll do it and they'll be part of rugby because I think rugby is just going to always run their blood and that itch is always going to be there. Rob, what do you think? Well, you know, I think that's individual dependent. I think a guy like Andy is going to enjoy coaching here for, for a couple of years. Again, continue to experience um, rugby in the United States just in a different way, provide his family with an opportunity to experience a different country. I think he values that for his daughters. Um, you know, that's why he brought his family here as opposed to, you know, just coming over for the short time uh, during the season. And and there's, that can be nothing but a positive for rugby in the United States for, you know, to have a guy of Andy's caliber, of course. Um, come here and do a bit of coaching and help you know grow the game uh, in the in the greater New York area. It's fu- it's funny. So you know that that was going to be our last question for the day, but I'm going to amend it, Rob. I'm going to ask a question to okay. Dylan, and I think this is going to you know tug on his heartstrings a little bit. You know, we talked about Andy a lot, and one of the things Andy does post match, if you guys haven't seen, is him and his his sons throw the ball around the pitch, and little Liam is right there on the pitch with with Daddy Dylan after every match. So, Dylan, this is a run, pass, or kick. You're going to have to answer this one. How do you feel when you're out there with, with Liam uh, uh, hanging around on the pitch? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud as punch. You know, like, he's the apple of my eye. Um, his mom has done an unbelievable job. And, yes, you're, Scott, you're absolutely right. He looks like his mother. Thank God. <laughs> um, so, he's already off on the on the front foot. But, um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it now becomes what I do now is the legacy I leave, I leave behind for him, you know, to inspire him to to reach the the heights that you know. Hopefully, he goes a bit better than his old man, but like, then even if he doesn't, you know, there'll be something else he'll he'll shine at. You know, um, that's what it, that's what it's all about now. You know, I I I do everything for for him and his mother now, and and it's. You know, I'm to become a father was you know, it's everything you know I wanted and, and what we've always wanted. So, no, I, I, yeah, like you said, you're pulling on the heartstrings there, Scott. But yeah, that young fella's off to a good start, and, and we just to make sure we continue it. So I got to tell you, Dylan, um, you're 100, percent and I I hope that I hope that you get to experience it myself. You know, I have two boys, both of them are still involved in sports, and of course, one of them uh, plays rugby, and he's he is a far, he has a far greater rugby IQ than I could even begin to have as a, as a player myself. And I, I have nothing but um, uh, love and, and enjoyment get, watching him play more than I ever, you know, uh, the joy I felt for myself playing. It's been fun to watch him grow as a rugby player. So, and he's standing right here watching. So his big head is only getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he went to LU. So, I, you know, he's got an axe to grind with Dylan anyway. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, uh, no. that's all we ever hear, Dylan. You know my son plays a Lindenwood. You know my yeah. son plays a Lindenwood. It's a proud, See, father, great pride man. and joy, mate. Listen, great pride and joy. Hope and, you can and I experience think it too. It's funny. That's one of the things when we talk about uh, when we speak with guys who have kids and they talk about the, you know their MLR, their respective MLR teams, and they talk about how much it does feel like a family and how much they do things as activities of family. And one of those things I always enjoy is seeing Dylan and Liam on the pitch uh, after home matches at, at Rooney. And, you know, win, lose, or draw, you know, Liam's there for Pop, and Pop is there for Liam, so it's great to see. But, uh, fans, if you want to see more, more of Dylan, we have some great questions. Rob went all out on these questions. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod to see the rest of those answers, to see that quick tap. We have we have some really good quick taps about some of Dylan's uh, uh, current and former teammates. Um, we, so we're going to, we're going to, you guys are getting for three bucks a month. You're getting some insight into into Dylan's thought on his teammates. They're really good questions. But, you get uh, it paid back in this interview alone. Exactly, because they, they've, they've been talking about you, Butch. But um, fans, thank you so much. This is episode 103, Done and Dusted. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. That's Rob the Hammer, Hammerschmidt. On behalf of Dylan Fawcett and our buddy Ty Brogger, who couldn't be here tonight, we'll see you at the next one.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.